Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope this message empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. So good you may be seated. So good to be here with you this morning, really is, and uh, wow, love that song, The Fragrance of Heaven, those those words, that line just so um, impacts me. I just like, love that. I love the presence of God. So beautiful. Love the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Incredible, incredible. And here we are. We're a few weeks into, um, into the year already, coming into April. Amazing, isn't it? And our word for the year, church, is, as we know, well, some of you may not know, but it's revival. I'm wearing it loud and bold today. And uh, revival is not a t-shirt, I have to say. It's not just a slogan. It's not a meeting. It's not an event. It's not a tent even, right? We might think it is. It's a tent or something, or we're creating it. It is none of those things. Our goal is not to create an event or a meeting. That is not our goal when we come up. You know, God really breathed this word onto us. It wasn't to go after an event. It was not. It was not. It is to have Him central in our lives. Just to say, Him being the first thing, our first go-to when we face challenges and difficulties. The message of the gospel is the message of heart revival. Heart, heart revival. I love this thought. And God's been just stirring me up in, in some areas to do with revival and some thoughts and And uh, it's my privilege today to be able to share a few of them and to encourage us, to stir us up. Because I don't know about you, but I I find the word revival very exciting, inspiring, and incredibly challenging. And I don't know if anyone's been challenged with the word so far, or if you've faced challenges. Uh, I know that we have. Some challenges have come our way. Uh, Everything will come at us to try and pull out revival, stamp it out. Shut it down. And so we actually have to rise up as a people and go after it. Go after it and not let it be shut down. So some thoughts around this, uh, I was thinking about this to encourage us. You know you're living in revival when His name, His name, Jesus, His name is the first name that you call on when you get negative news. Well, that's a bit negative. But His name is the first name when you get a bad report about your health about your finances, about your job, about your relationship. His name. You know you're in revival when uh, you begin to spend evenings. Uh-oh, here we go. You, spend, you begin to spend evenings. Anyone got any evenings? We all have evenings. We have seven of them every week. But you begin to spend your evenings scrolling. Scrolling what? Scrolling through your Bible instead of Instagram. (laughs) Sorry. Or Netflix or mindless TV shows. You know you're in revival when you turn that stuff off and you start to scroll through your Bible, either your hard copy or on your phone. You start to scroll. Scroll your Bible. You know you're in revival when that's starting to happen. Just encouraging myself here. You know you are in revival when the basics of Christian faith become once again your essentials. E.g. Worship becomes a necessity. 
and reading your Bible becomes a priority. This is the revival we're talking about, my friends. It's not an event and it's not a meeting. And this is the idea that I want to land on today. You know you are in revival. When you begin to start seeing things differently with fresh eyes, when you start seeing things, events, people, situations, circumstances, guess what? He always, always saw more because, this is my title this morning, there is always more to see. Do you believe it? There is always, always more to see. What do you see? What do you see this morning? What do you see? What do you see? The next question is, what did Jesus see? We need a sight revival and start seeing as Jesus sees because he always saw more. So I'm gonna share three short stories about how he saw and what he saw. And that will inspire us. I know it's inspired me hugely and it's changing the way I see things. The first one is found in Luke 21, uh, one to four. Just then, this is Jesus, he looked up and he saw the rich people dropping, dropping offerings in the collection plate. Then he saw a poor widow put in two pennies. He said, the plain truth is that this widow has given by far the largest offering today. All these others made offerings that they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. What did Jesus see in this story? He didn't just see the two pennies that the widow gave. He saw something bigger. Because you see, Jesus, He sees the small, but sees it as big. He saw the small offering that the widow gave, but recognises it as huge because she gave her all. This act of generosity was then written into the handbook, our handbook, the Bible, the Word of God, so that we could learn. It made a huge difference and a huge teaching point for all of us. The other people could have looked at that and go, oh, that is so small. What, what difference is that going to make? But Jesus, Jesus saw the small but he saw big. I absolutely love this thought. Sometimes we feel we only have a small amount of anything to give. A small amount of time, a small amount of money, a small amount of gift, a small amount of talent, whatever. Small, 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 small. And we look at other people and we go, they've got more. Look at them, worship what they had, da, 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 the whole comparison trap. And Jesus is always saying, hey, just give what you have. Because what you have is all I need. It may be small, but I see big. What do you see? What do you see? The disciples, they were kind of like on about this. We need more faith. Awesome. And they said in Luke 17, increase our faith to Jesus. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Incredible. Do you know that the mulberry tree has really, 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 really deep roots? They go right down. So he's saying a tiny little mustard seed, which is like a pinprint, pinprick thing, like it's really, really small. That's all you need to uproot this tree where the roots go right, right down, and then for it to be planted in the sea. Do you know how deep the sea is? How hard would that be? 
to uproot that and then to plant it into the, into the get it down to bedrock. That's a lot. That's a big deal, right? He's saying, you only need small. You only need small. You only need small. What do you see? What do you see with your small? Jesus sees big. Jesus sees big. Man. It could be so easy to believe that what we have is nothing, right? I know I look at sometimes what I have to give and it's like nothing. What I have to say, what, what good is that? How can I make a difference in this world? But look, even the seemingly small thing, even a seemingly small smile, or stopping to help someone if they're broken down or struggling with their groceries, opening the door for people, paying for someone's coffee, small things, encouraging someone by telling them they did a good job, are all maybe small, small little mustard seeds, but actually they make a big difference. And each and every one of us, if we do our small things, big things happen together. But even on our own, even my own self doing a small act of kindness maybe can make a huge difference in everyone's, in people's lives. What do you see with your small? God sees something big. You've got to start seeing things different, my friends. We've got to start seeing things different. I think in this season of revival, our issue is our sight. We see things. We see things too small. So Jesus always saw the small as big and big things could be done with the small. Incredible story about the, um, when the disciples were with Jesus and with the 5,000 plus, plus, plus people and suddenly they were all like getting hangry out there. They'd been out on the, been listening to Jesus and suddenly the disciples were like, we need to feed these people. They're starving. They're getting hangry. It's awful. Come on, Jesus. You know, there's no cafes next door. There's no McDonald's. There's no KFCs, none of those things. We know that KFC is the best way to feed a crowd. Surely is. It's the cheapest as well. Just saying. It's not the healthiest, I know, but hey, it's always good. What do they find? They find something small. What was it? The boys' lunch. Five fish and two loaves. Small, small. And Jesus goes, that's all I need. I just need something small. Just give me something. It doesn't have to be like a 10-course banquet. But tell you what, I'll turn it into a 10-course banquet. I'll turn it into a 12-course banquet. And that's what he did. He took this small, he offered it up and said, thanks, Lord. Thanks, you're going to provide. I love that. love the faith. What do you see? What do you see with your small portion? What do you see with your small Offer it up and go, thanks, Lord. You're going to provide. Incredible. And that he did. And there were 12 basketfuls. They, they fed like over 15,000, probably more like 20 or 25. And there were 12 basketfuls left. There was a lesson there because there were 12 disciples. They all had one. They all had take home, take out. They could all go like, they had doggy bags. I don't know what you call it. It's not a good word. But they had a basket full each to take home. Come on, disciples, what do you see? Do you see this Jesus? He's a miracle worker. He can take your small and turn it into something big. My friends, He can turn your small into big. He takes the small and He creates big. My goodness, I'm so excited. I hope you are feeling a little bit excited about this. 
And it's incredible because in Mark 8, the disciples, they found themselves going over the other side, with, over, over the other side of the lake with Jesus in a boat. And suddenly they were hangry because no one had bought any food. Men on a boat without food, it's not a good look. You always need snacks when you're on a boat, my friends. You do, don't we? You need a lot of snacks. And these guys had no snacks. How silly were they? And they were finding fault with one another. They were blaming one another and carrying on like whatevers. And in Mark 8, this is what Jesus says. Though you have eyes, do you not see? Do you not see? Though you have ears, do you not hear and listen to what I've said? Do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of broken pieces you picked up? They answered 12. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many large, because that was another time, how many basketfuls of broken pieces do you pick up? And he, they answered seven. And he was saying to them, do you not see? Do you not see what I can do? What do we do? What do we do when things aren't going well and we get frustrated and annoyed? Anyone get frustrated and annoyed? Disappointed? Felt let down? Do you remember? Do you remember in those moments, Jesus, the miracle worker? Or do we just wallow around in self-pity, trying to make a way in our own strength? Do you see? You know you are in revival when you see the hopeless situations as opportunities for breakthroughs. I don't know where you're sitting at the moment. I don't know what you're facing. I know there's a bunch of people facing a whole lot of frustrations and a whole lot of tricky scenarios right now. But what do you see? What do you see? Do you see those disappointments? Do you see those heartaches as opportunities for breakthrough? Because that's exactly what Jesus sees. He saw that opportunity where there was no food. He saw it as an opportunity for breakthrough. But all he needed, all he needed was something small. Didn't, Jesus didn't see, just didn't see what people did or what they had to give, but he saw them as his own. I love this. I'm gonna finish off with this other, the last story. He saw, he saw people as his own. And the story I wanna bring you is in Luke 19. And I've told it, the disliked man. The man that no one else liked. The man that was actually ostracized. His name is Zacchaeus, one of my faves. Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there, his name's Zacchaeus, the head tax man and quite rich. He wanted desperately how desperate are you today? It's a good question, isn't it? When I read that, I thought, how desperate am I to see Jesus? He was desperate. He was desperate. But the crowd was in his way. He was a short man, a short man, and couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up, Jesus saw, Jesus saw Zacchaeus, not as the tax collector, not as a betrayer of his Jewish family members, not as a greedy, selfish, deceitful, lying man. He never saw that. He saw him and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry on down. 
Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Jesus saw the small, but He spoke big. He spoke big. It went on and He scrambled out of the trees that Kia stood, hardly believing His good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with Him. Everyone else who saw the incident was indignant and grumbled. What business does Jesus have getting cosy with this crook? What do you see? What do you see? And Jesus said, today is salvation day in this home. Here is Zacchaeus, and this is what I see. He's the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. This is so challenging and this is revival. It is revival. You're having a heart revival when you start to see as Jesus sees. You start to see the marginalised, the ostracised, the sick, the lost, those that other people discard. You, see, you start to see maybe people who are small in their own eyes and even smaller in their own. And you start to see them as big. You start to believe for people, believe in them. Jesus always believed. He always believed big. We can be so quick to write people off because they look different from us, right? Sadly, act different. Speak different. Jesus wants us to see people as he sees them. Not just what they do, or what they give, or what they bring, but he wants us to see people as he sees them. He wants us to speak big over people. We might see people and their failures. What do we say? We believe in you. That's what we say. That's what Jesus said. When he was surrounded with people who failed, he'll go, hey, I believe in you. You're the son of Abraham. Salvation's coming to your house today, Zacchaeus. We believe in you. I believe in you. What do you say when someone turns up late? Hey, so glad you've come. So glad you're here. Let's not be so quick to criticise, to judge. Let's see big. Let's believe big. And let's speak big over people's lives. So glad you made it. Our God is the God of the second, third, fourth, fifth chance. So why do we easily give up on people and situations? One chance out, one strike out. Nah, out. My gosh, Church, revival is this. is loving people, loving people, loving people. No matter who or what or where or whatever they have done. This is revival because Jesus is revival. He is revival. He is the heart of revival. And so how He sees, we must always also see. My prayer is that we would see that we would have his eyes to see. God always sees a bigger picture. 
And we can too if we allow him the room to move in our lives, to give us another perspective to look at other people, to look at people positively. What do we see when people do well? What do we say when people succeed? Fantastic. Encouragement, encouragement. What do you see when people succeed? What do you see? What do you see? What do you feel when people succeed? Do you feel happy? Do you want to get behind them and go, come on, you can do this. Well done. We're so proud of you. You're amazing. That's what Jesus says. And that's what he says. What do you see when you look at people? Potential? A son or daughter of the God who he made wonderfully and uniquely, handcrafted for a special purpose. Because this is how he sees. He sees you and I. And he sees so much more. I really felt that even, um, even this morning again as I was thinking over this idea. I heard these words loud and clear. God sees you and he sees more. God sees you and he sees more. God sees you and he sees more. He sees more. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been challenged as a staff, and I guess I want to put it out to you. You might have heard about it, but we're on a fast. And uh, just with this idea of, of revival and, and creating this, this, this revival heart, we're on a fast. And it's not from food. Thank you, Lord. Especially coming into Easter, because we need the chocolate and we need the hot cross buns. It's actually a fast from negativity. And it is so challenging. It is probably more challenging from food. It actually is. And it's all about removing the negative. Negative thoughts, negative speech, negative acknowledgements, negative, like just negative stuff. And we deal in reality and there are negative things that happen, but it's always our response to those that we have to be careful with. So I was dealing with this, and it's really, really, really challenging. And a few years ago, we had a um, we moved into a new property, and it was just shrouded in trees, just every which way you looked. And the trees, the trees are beautiful, and foliage and all that greenery. That's lovely, I get it. But it was just way too much, and it was dark and dingy and cold. And so we thought that let's get our choppers out, as we do, and let's have a good old chop. And we chopped that place down. We chopped every tree down that we could see. It was amazing. And it was incredible. And what happened was it changed our whole perspective. We got rid of the foliage. We got rid of the stuff. And suddenly, what could we see? We stood on our balcony and we could see the mountains. We could see those ranges that we're so blessed to see every day, by the way. Even when the clouds are down, they're still there and you can still see them. And we stood there and went, wow, look what we can see. We can see the mountains. We can see the snow. This is amazing. 
We could never have seen that before with all the, the trees all crowding in us. And, and then somebody was there and they said, oh yeah, but now you can, you can see the power lines. Now you've exposed the power lines. I'm like, hey, what, what? What are you looking at? I had not even noticed the power lines at that moment. But then I did. And so from that point on, I had to really work hard not to see the power lines, but to look beyond the power lines and see the mountains out there. I'm looking at them now, but I'm looking at them, they're there. I can't see them, but they're there. One negative word can cut your vision out, can stop you from seeing what there really is beyond, beyond, beyond. So this is a challenge. I want to challenge all of us. Join us. Join us on a negativity fast. Be accountable to one another. Me and Brent, we had a discussion. So we should start a fining situation. If you say a negative word, right, going to fine you. I reckon we could both be quite wealthy right now, each of us. What do you see? Join us on this negativity fast. Because I tell you what. God will start to do something in you. As you stop acknowledging, as you stop saying things, because saying things in a negative way is a learnt habit. It's actually a learnt thing. And it can be an inherited thing as well. Like if you grew up in a household where it was usual for hackdowns to happen or criticisms or judgments, and that was quite normal, it can be ingrained in you. So it can be your default to always see the negative. To never see beyond the grey clouds and go, oh, there's actually blue sky. Did you realise that? And we know that when we get in a plane and we go for a flight and we see, oh, suddenly there's blue sky. There's always blue sky. There's always blue sky when the clouds are grey. Incredible. We need to retrain ourselves. We need to retrain ourselves. And a big way of doing this is to actually think about that, those only things that are good. So it all comes, starts here in our thoughts. Philippians 4, it says, I'll say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. So you can retrain yourself. Get that scripture, fill your mind with those things, those things which are beautiful and lovely, not the ugly things. There's always more to be seen always more to be seen. My prayer is that our eyes will be open to see circumstances and people as God sees them. What was meant for evil, God can turn around for good always, always, always. What do you see? I believe in these days, I believe fresh dreams are gonna come, old dreams. Our eyes are gonna be open again to new things as we open our eyes the dreams that we've let go, I believe, and even in this place today, there's been things that you've let go. Things have gone, have got dead again, and they're gonna come to life. They're gonna come alive again. You're gonna start declaring, again, the goodness over areas of your lives, and we need to. Here's the truth. God sees you, and He sees more of you, more for you. On the other side of your failure, He sees more. On the other side of your heartache, He sees more. 
He sees more. On the other side of depression, He sees more. On the other side of your fear and anxiety, He sees more because He sees you and He sees the potential in your life. And He wants to open eyes in this place this morning as He did to the blind man. In Mark 8, this beautiful story, He led him, He led him out of the village. And He said to him, do you see anything after He he laid his hands on me, spat in his eyes and did that whole thing. He said, do you see anything? And he looked up, I said, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Then again, Jesus laid his hands on his eyes and the man stared intently and his sight was completely restored and he began to see everything clearly, clearly, clearly. This morning, I really believe that God is gonna open blind eyes in this place. I believe where even people, you know Jesus, you've had Him in your life, you've had a touch, but things have gone a little bit foggy. Things have gone a little bit like out of, out of focus. You can't see anymore. I believe even though there's some people here, you need to make some decisions. You're trying to make decisions, but there's confusion. You can't seem to know which way is the right, right way to go. It's foggy. The way is unclear. It's unclear. I really believe that God wants to touch you today. He wants to touch you today. He's going to bring sight to your eyes. He's going to bring sight to your eyes. You see, when you let Jesus in, when you let Him become central to your life, when you give Him your life, when you allow Him to lead you like the blind man, He let Him be led by Jesus out to the outskirts of the village, out of the norm, out of the way He was normally used to, He allowed Him. He allowed Him to come into His life and actually be Lord. When we allow Jesus to come and be Lord in our lives, of our lives, He touches us. He touches us and He opens our eyes to see things clearly, to see people clearly, to see for situations clearly, to see as He sees. Are you ready for revival? Are you ready for a sight change? Because that's what revival is. Church, it is not a meeting. It is not a tent. This revival is about us seeing as Jesus sees. I just, I just, I just know God wants to touch so many people today. In fact, He wants to touch each and every one of us. Not one of us is left out of this. So would you stand to your feet in this place this morning? Jesus wants to bring clarity to each and every one of you. I don't know what you're facing, but Jesus does because He sees there's fogginess, there's greyness, there's blurriness, there's unclarity. And I believe by His Spirit today, as you allow Him to come into your life, as you allow Him to touch your situation, to touch the hurt in your life, to touch the pain. You see, the blind man, he allowed Jesus to touch him. He allowed it to get a bit messy. Jesus spat in his eyes like that saliva. That's like real close. How close are you prepared to let Jesus come to your life? How close? How messy are you prepared to get? How desperate like Zacchaeus. Are we gonna be that desperate, my friends? 
that we allow Jesus to touch the very pain of our heart, to get a bit vulnerable? How desperate are we to see clearly? How desperate are we to let Him touch us and to show us the great and wonderful things that are yet we are yet to be seen? So in this place, would you bow your heads and shut your eyes with me and give this, give respect to each one now. If you've got fogginess going on anywhere in your life with decisions, relationships, finances, if there's fogginess, you can't seem to make your way through. You feel like you're groping in the darkness. You feel like everything is out of order. There's out of orderness, there's disorder. Just raise your hand in this place because I believe sight is gonna come. Sight is gonna come. Just raise your hand in this place. If you need some clarity with what you need to see, with what you need to speak out, with what you need to decide, decisions, new decisions, a fresh way. There's people here in business and you need to make a fresh decision. There's a new way that you need to take. The old thing isn't the thing anymore. You need a new thing. And God wants to open your eyes in this place. So Father, Holy Spirit, I just pray for each and every person with standing here with their hands high. I pray, Lord God, that You would bring sight, bring sight, bring sight, clear the fogginess away, I pray in Jesus' Name. Bring sight, bring sight in Jesus' Name. Thank You, Holy Spirit. Come in this place. Come in this place. I come against fear. I come against anxiety. I come against depression in Jesus' Name. Come in this place and open the eyes, open the eyes that we may see so that we may see in Jesus' Name. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Wasn't that amazing? We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what your next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website, annasbrook.co.nz.